0: empower radio presents the dr julie show all things connected break through the illusion of separation explore the infinite field of possibility and make connections that inspire now here's your host dr julie crawl Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And today will be a good one. I I can't wait to bring this topic to you. So what what if you're offered a direct approach to lasting peace, happiness, and love? Would you take it? Or does it maybe sound too good to be true? With the mounting stress and chaos in our changing world, how on earth can we claim and really stabilize our natural state of inherent wakefulness and innate peace? Well, today, the invitation is to let go of all that stress and the effort and struggle of a rigorous practice, relax back into the happiness and ease that is your birthright, and explore the direct approach to spiritual awakening while opening, I love this phrase, to the non-dual dimension of being. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind and heart, and settle in to your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest. Stephen Bodian is a teacher of non-dual wisdom, a pioneer in the integration of Eastern wisdom and Western psychology, and an internationally recognized expert on meditation and mindfulness. His books include Wake Up Now and the Guidebook Meditation for Dummies, As a licensed psychotherapist, he leads classes, workshops, and retreats in the direct approach to spiritual realization and offers counseling and mentoring to people worldwide. I'm so happy to have you with us, Stephen. Welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Julie. It's uh, my pleasure to be here.
0: Well, this topic is so meaningful to so many of our listeners here. So it'll be fun to see what really wants to emerge in our conversation here today. But first, Stephen, we have a tradition here on the show because we like to really kind of blanket our conversation into a larger awareness, this awakened awareness that we've been talking about here, and really. Set this, set this conversation in this larger meme. So I have this traditional first question, and I want to ask you, can you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you?
1: <laughs> that's a great uh, a great title. Uh, well, indeed, all things are connected. Uh, in fact, the way you phrase it is beautiful, the illusion of separation, right? I think that's a beautiful way to put it. In fact... I would use that very same phrase, uh, you know. At a relative level, uh, of course, there are individual, separate uh, objects and people in the world, but ultimately we're all one essence, right? One essential uh, nature that we all share. So, in that sense, we're more than connected. We are one. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I knew you would have a brilliant response to that because your whole book—I have to tell you—I'm, I'm holding beyond mindfulness. This this new book that's out, and it is. And I, I, I apologize if people aren't highlighters or ear markers or (laughs) margin writers, but it is really covered, 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 covered with yellow highlighter everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. and there's so much here. So I really appreciate your, literally it's, it's a small book, um, not really easy to read and yet so powerful in pointing us to this, um, direct approach that we'll be talking about here, but you And I love this part. You were a Buddhist monk and then came Mm -hmm. to Western psychology. And a lot of us Western psychologists go toward the Eastern (laughs) Buddhist tradition. So you did it in reverse, but you were a Buddhist monk and you became this expert in mindfulness meditation. And then the title of your book is Beyond Mindfulness. So let's begin by first defining mindfulness for our listeners from your perspective. It's, It's this most effective way to work with stress, anxiety, depression, grief, all of these emotions and mind states but there's there's so many beautiful benefits but you bring us to the awareness of limitations of mindfulness so let's start steven with that what is mindfulness
1: yeah well as you said mindfulness has many benefits and even though my book is called beyond mindfulness uh i begin by talking about the uh the many benefits of mindfulness at every level right Uh, So mindfulness is the practice of bringing awareness to your experience just as it is without judgment. That is, you know, the conventional definition. So most of the time, of course, we're caught up in our minds, in our story, in our narrative, in our worries and concerns about past and future. Uh, And, of course, we're not living in the present moment most of the time. So mindfulness is the practice of bringing our awareness back again and again to the present moment, to our experience right now. And uh, in meditation, this uh, generally takes the form of sitting and being aware of our breathing, right? The coming and going of our breath. This is a classical, uh, time-honored approach to being present in the moment. Uh, People have practiced it, monks and lay people, for thousands of years, right? so that is the practice in meditation. Uh, and then in everyday life, it would be a matter of uh, coming out of the story, coming out of the narrative, out of the past and future, and into what's happening right now. You know, uh, washing the dishes, touching the, uh, the, the dishes, feeling the soap on our hands, eating a meal, feeling the, you know, the weight of the food as we lift it to our mouth, You know, uh, being aware as we chew and as we taste. Right. This is the practice of mindfulness. Beautiful practice, and it's a great antidote to our tendency to be elsewhere. Right.
2: Mm.
0: Thank you for that. And you know, you you then write about the limitations of mindfulness, and I have to applaud you because for so long, we we have not heard. Um, I haven't in just paying attention to. What's on the market and coming out in in books and training? And, you know, Mm -hmm. mindfulness is a beautiful practice, and um, Buddhist psychology is really. Uh, couched around this this practice of mindfulness, and mm-hmm. yet you address some of those limitations and mm-hmm. in in going beyond mindfulness, which I really appreciate. Yeah. so yeah. let's let's talk about those limitations because it's creating mm-hmm. that sense of duality that we're trying to let go That's of. Right.
1: That's right. So again, I just want to preface by saying that, uh, I, I do not in any way want to discourage people from practicing mindfulness. If mindfulness yeah. appeals to you, uh, if it's uh, been of benefit to you, then by all means, please continue practice, practicing mindfulness. You know, uh, but there are limitations to it uh, in terms of awakening to the non-dual dimension of being that you uh, mentioned from my book um, to spiritual awakening, right? there are some inherent limitations. Now, one of them is that by creating a practice out of coming back again and again to the present moment or sitting in meditation and doing a particular practice, we're reinforcing the sense of a separate person, a separate meditator, who needs to keep doing something in order to be present and awake, right? Um, And... uh, that, that has its limitations, which I'll describe in a, in, a, in a moment. Another limitation is that it gives a feeling that um, we need to be cultivating a certain mind state, uh, which is a mindful state. We need to be constantly efforting, putting out some effort to cultivate a particular state. And often, as it's taught, to avoid... Negative mind states, you know, you're trying to cultivate positive mind states being present being mindful and avoiding negative mind states And it also gives you the sense that if you keep doing this over time You will gradually develop Certain capacities certain abilities that uh, and certain states of mind which will enable you to have some kind of experience in future which will be of benefit to you. Now, it could be awakening. uh, You know, that's the Buddhist tradition. Of course, Buddha means the awakened one. So if you're practicing in the Buddhist tradition, mindfulness is um, uh, meant to lead you to awakening. But always the sense is that it's out there ahead of you, something to be achieved in future, right? Now, Mm -hmm. the problem with that is, uh, first of all, the sense that you have to keep doing something reinforces the sense of a separate someone, which is precisely what awakening is about transcending, right? Or seeing through. So you're constantly coming back to being mindful, being mindful. I need to be mindful and Oh gee, I'm getting more and more mindful and you know, I'm getting better and better at it all the time referring back to this illusory I, right? Strengthening the illusion, in fact, of an illusory I, okay? Which is precisely what we're trying to see through, right? And then Mm -hmm. the sense of having to maintain a particular mind state in order to achieve something in future then takes us away from our natural state, which is inherently awake, present, and aware. You see, you, you know. When I often when I'll be teaching, I'll say to people, "Now close your eyes, and then now open your eyes, and try to be aware." Right? And people they look at me puzzled. I you mean, know, what do you mean, try to be aware? I open my eyes and I am aware, right? <laughs> so. We, we give the sense in the mindfulness, you know, potentially, that you need to try to be aware. You need to make effort in order to be aware. Whereas uh, awareness is inherent. It's natural. Just open your eyes, just, and there it is, you see. And so the more that we effort to be mindful, the more that we forget about our inherent wakefulness, which is always already present and the more we give ourselves the impression that we need to be doing something special you see and that takes us away so those are the the principal limitations of mindfulness if one aspires to awakening
0: yeah thank you that was a good explanation and i i really appreciate a lot of your languaging in the book and i i do want to put an exclamation point on that that you're not um, by any means discouraging mindfulness meditation. You you do a really good job, a great job of of bringing forward all the gifts and the benefits of, of mindfulness mm-hmm. in the book. But this language that you're using, I want to come back to it, is this you describe this dimension of inner wisdom that we already possess, you know, this mm-hmm. um, that we just merely need to access. And and I love how you describe it as a natural state and a direct Path home. So we're talking about this right. awakened awareness, and I really like how you use the analogy of a sun, of the sun and the sky. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. let's define this awakened awareness because we're getting hints of it here, and mm-hmm. and what this what this really is that we're talking about today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sun is a great analogy. Um, I I mentioned in the book I. I had this realization, actually, on, on a retreat once that, um, you know, when you realize the bright sun of inherent wakefulness, of our natural state of inherent wakefulness, then mindfulness is like shining a flashlight at midday trying mm-hmm. to make things brighter, right? Yeah, I like, love that. It's laughable right? It's laughable. Why would you, you know, it's, the sun is out, right? It's bright. <laughs> All you have to do is walk out into the midday sun, right? You don't need to turn on a flashlight, right? So once you recognize, and that's what the direct approach is about, it's about recognizing the bright sun of inherent wakefulness and, and then giving up this constant efforting to make it brighter because it doesn't need to be brighter, right? Uh, so it, it's really more about a recognition, so the process uh, goes more about working with a teacher uh, and teachings that are pointing directly to this inherent wakefulness and then having a direct uh, realization, a direct recognition of this inherent wakefulness. And once you recognize it, see, that's the the difficult part, is the recognition of it. It's, it's sort of hidden uh, in plain sight. They often say. It's yes. It's called the o- open secret, you know? <laughs> Somehow it's a secret, even though it's open. It's, it's readily available, but we miss it. Um, in the book, I use the, uh, the story of the uh, holy fool Nazardin, who goes back and forth across the border with donkeys full, you know, on, with baskets, and the border guards keep checking to see what he's smuggling. And years later, he meets a border guard, and the border guard says, what were you smuggling? He said, I was smuggling donkeys, you know? <laughs> And, but they couldn't see because it was so obvious. So we miss awake awareness, you know, because it's so obvious, in a way. So it takes a, a teacher, usually, to point us back. Uh, and uh, in the Buddhist tradition, this is called uh, pointing out the nature of mind, the nature of our inherent wakefulness. Once you see it then you can never really unsee it anymore. And then it's more about learning to rest in it, learning to come back to it, learning to abide there. You know, you don't have to make any effort, but you do have to remember to come home, you see? Because the mind will take us away, right? Take us away into the past and future. So again and again, we notice. So in a certain way, there is a practice, but it's more like the post-awakening practice of remembering who we are, remembering to come home. Ah, oh, yes, I see. I'm caught up in thought. I'm caught up in the story. Again, it's so compelling. <laughs> you know, the story about what I need to do and how important it is and how my survival is at stake and all of that, you know, coming out of that back to this inherent wakefulness. That's the practice. Yeah. So it's a different kind of practice. There is a practice could say, until the practice becomes effortless.
0: Mm. Stephen, you you just brought up that the story and that thinking mind. Let's let's use that. I, and I also really appreciate your example of when it finally um, you had that experience I think you were driving along on the freeway maybe contemplating one of your right. teachers questions but let's right. let's bring that into the thinking mind too that wants to create stories that wants to think thoughts and you do you, right. you talk a lot about the images thoughts feelings senses that we have right. and and how that's not what we're talking about here
1: right exactly well the you know the fundamental illusion that we're trying to dispel is the illusion that we're this separate, solid someone surrounded by separate, solid someones in a world of separate, solid objects. You know, Uh, that's the illusion. And uh, we spend a lifetime constructing, essentially, uh, you know, from an early age, it's constructed for us, of course, uh, our conditioning uh, creates a lot of what we take to be who we are. And then we continue to compound that with further stories, you know, usually based on the early conditioning. Again, I'm a psychotherapist and a psychologist. So, uh, you know, I've become very uh, uh, attuned and expert on the different stories that the mind can tell, right? Uh, so we develop a narrative. Who I am is this person. I'm this age. I'm this uh, gender. Uh, this is what I've done with my life or not done with my life. These are the mistakes I've made. These are my limitations. These are my strong points. Uh, this is who I take myself to be. And when I use the, the, the name that I've been given or taken, and I use the word I, I'm referring or seem to be referring to this solid collection of uh, thoughts, feelings, stories, etc. right? So the practice in the direct approach is to examine This um, construct, essentially, to inquire into it and to see through it, to penetrate through it. You could say to deconstruct it, although in a certain way it doesn't really exist. Once you see through it, the solidity starts to fall apart, you see. So if you really say, and this is the deepest question, you could say that we have to ask ourselves in this lifetime, who am I? Or what does this I refer to? Or who is experiencing this moment right now? So if we ask that question, our awareness is turned back upon itself. And then we're looking inside and saying, so who is this? You know, Stephen, you know, I, you know, it's so important if someone criticizes me, I'll stand up for myself and get really defensive and, you know, protest and, you know. So obviously we take it very seriously, so let's find out what it is. And if we look carefully, we'll find that we really can't find anything solid in there. We can find thoughts, we can find feelings, we can find memories, if we're really honest with ourselves, you know, stories, uh, you know, etc. But if we look at those, you know, do they have any substance? Have you ever tried to grasp a thought? You know, thoughts have no substance. If you try to grasp a thought, it eludes your grasp. And yet we take our thoughts so seriously, but there's no solidity there. So if we really look in an unbiased and unjaundiced way at our thoughts, at our feelings, at our memories, we find that there's no there there. You know? And little by little, we start to see that what we took to be so solid is actually evanescent, it's ephemeral. It doesn't have any real substance, and that's you know that can be scary, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But it takes a certain um, courage, fearlessness, or a willingness to work with your fear to uh, engage in this process. But the end result is freedom, peace, a deeper happiness. Yeah, mm-hmm. because as long as we're defending a separate someone. As long as we feel like the the world is threatening our survival, you know, because we believe ourselves to be this limited, separate someone, then, uh, you know, we're constantly afraid, afraid of losing control, afraid of losing our ground, right? Afraid of losing what we've gained in this lifetime. And it's hard to be uh, really happy, deeply happy when we're constantly uh, afraid of losing.
0: I really appreciate those examples and and even just this um, in reference to the world and what's going around us. I, I would love to really dig into that um, after the break because there's so much going on in the world around us and how do we really, you know, stabilize and create this self-sustaining level of awareness. But first, I want to just um, I want to share one of your quotes because I think it's it's important and you you talk about how, Really, we can't be taught this awakened awareness, only evoked and realized. Mm -hmm. And so your quote was, instead of being identified with the little me inside my head, I realized that I was the limitless, unconditional, ever-awake awareness in which the thoughts and feelings I had mistakenly taken myself to be were arising and passing away. Yes. I love that. Let, let's talk about that. Um, and your experience of that because you were you were contemplating the question that a teacher posed right. to you, and all of a sudden, it, right. How do we explain that that evoked experience that can't be taught to the listeners? Because. I don't know about you but there's so many that think they know this from the mind's perspective like they they right. think they're awakened or they claim that they're awakened there's a, this huge movement now of 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 enlightenment and and the awakening and I'm enlightened and we've got to hurry and wake others up and
1: mm-hmm.
0: once we go there we miss the whole point of of this mm-hmm. awareness and awakening
1: mm-hmm. yeah so it's really um there's something about having a real genuine shift. You see, that's what awakening is. It, it's not just a a thought or a, you know, a concept that we've read about, which, you know, of course these concepts can be helpful because they're pointers. So reading my book and other books, and if you grok it, if you, it makes sense to you, that's beautiful. Uh, But it's simply a pointer to something that has to be, uh, realize directly. And that's what's most important. And that happens spontaneously, unexpectedly. In fact, it often happens to people who weren't looking for it. You know? <laughs> It's like, whoa, the rug just got pulled out. I, I thought I, I was, you know, I just suddenly saw that it wasn't really real the way I thought it was. Wow, that's really kind of shocking and uh, a little scary and also exciting and freeing and how beautiful and, uh, you know, So that shift in what I call the shift in the locus of identity from being localized here, in this body and mind and head, you know, to being uh, limitless, to being everywhere, to being the openness in which everything's arising, that shift comes upon us. As you say, it can only be evoked. And I think what's true is that those of us who end up uh, being drawn to this have some glimmering of this already. Otherwise we wouldn't be drawn to it. We already in a certain way know that it's true. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't read it and say, Oh yeah, of course. Yes. Ah, Mm -hmm. you know, we do, you know, Mm -hmm. we think, Oh, this is ridiculous. That doesn't appeal to me at all. So those who read my book and think, yeah, I can, I can get into this. They're already halfway there. You know, they, they already have a sense of it. Right. So the book is meant to evoke it, to draw it forth. Just like as I was driving along, I didn't even think of consciously the words of my teacher went through my mind. The seeker is the sought. The looker is what he or she is looking for. That which is seeking is actually what we are looking for, you know? And it just came up out of nowhere as I was driving along, and suddenly... That shift happened, you know, just out of nowhere couldn't have predicted it couldn't have done it in a million years, but there it was, and it, it happened while I was driving, you know i wasn't focusing on anything, I wasn't meditating, it was just out of the blue, and that's generally how it happens, of course, we make ourselves awakening prone by listening to teachings, working with the teacher, etc, but the the moment itself, the event itself, is something that we can't make happen or predict.
0: Beautiful. This is a great way to close our first half. And, and you you mentioned that as soon as we say, oh, I am awakened, we go back into that place of separation and no longer in that
1: place of... I of, am awakened. Who is that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the I, right?
0: Who's that possesses the
1: I? This thing called awakening, right?
0: Absolutely. Oh, Thank you, Stephen. We are sitting here listening to the beautiful words and inspiration of Stephen Bodian. We are going to take a quick break. We'll return in just a moment. The Empower
2: Meditation Channel. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. This memory isn't what it used to be. We get up, and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well I well, honestly have no idea what i'm going through it can be a little challenging help but so far so good i could really use just a little help
1: for those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one we hear you That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org slash caregiving.
2: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You don't usually get a stock tip from a 16-year-old, but I'm here to tell you about a different kind of stock. It's called Better Futures. A stock for social change that's not about making money. Instead, you invest to help students like me go to college. This is beyond a simple donation. It's the opportunity for America to invest in its kids and take an active stake in the future of the country. The return on your investment isn't money. What you get back is knowing you protected our potential. So one day that potential can grow up to become surgeons and architects, executives, and engineers, people who can change the future just by being a part of it. My name is Alicia, and I'm your dividend.
1: Invest in better futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. A public service announcement brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
0: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Radio
2: to inspire, encourage, and empower you. This is Empower Radio.
0: Now, back to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com, where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected All week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. I am here talking today with Stephen Bodian, author of Beyond Mindfulness. You can find Stephen at StephenBodian.org. I'm going to spell that for you because it's a little different than you might expect. S-T-E-P-H-A-N-B-O-D-I-A-N.org. StephenBodian.org. Stephen, Thank you for sharing this with us today. I think it's such an important conversation for us to have with everything that's going on in the world. And I want to really bring this um, into a new level here and talk about the body and feelings and, and pain before we move into really what's going on in the world. You had written, you can't cultivate or develop awakened awareness because it's always already occurring, you can only recognize it, approach it, and relax into it. I love that relax into it piece. So, in order for us to do that, I think we need to understand the role of of this physical body as well, and feelings, sensations, and even physical pain, because sometimes pain can really really shift our mind into a fixated sense of awareness on pain. And, and it gets so confusing. I have lots of people asking me about that so often. So let's just talk about body and, and our senses and sensation. And, and really what is, how is that different than what we're talking about right here? What is the role of the body?
1: Well, there are different levels. We can approach it, um, The body, uh, you know, we talk about a body as if it's solid, you know, Uh, and of course, uh, in everyday life, we need a body that's solid to lift things and move things and get us through the day. Um, But in fact, if you go to your experience of the body, uh, we experience the body as sensation, right, as energy, you could say. Yeah, uh, And um, so I think it's important for us, uh, you know, we uh, take, uh, you know, our uh, information about the body from, from uh, the medical profession, from science, uh, you know, telling us what we should and shouldn't do. But I think it's really important to tune into the body as energy and really become uh, friends with our body, familiar with our body, right? and particularly at the energetic level, because if we um, attune to the energy in the body, the energy of the body in itself can be like, uh, well, uh, Eckhart Tolle calls it a portal to uh, the unmanifest. Uh, If we, and Jean Klein, my teacher for many years, used to work with the energy body. You would sense your body, and then in sensing your body, You would allow your awareness to expand beyond the seeming boundaries of the body because we take the the body to be a solid, again, object uh, bounded by the skin, right? But if we sense the body, uh, really feel into the body, in fact, you can do it right now, just sensing uh, your body, you'll find that the body as you experience it, not as you read about it, or see it in the mirror, but as you experience it directly, it's actually a field of sensation, a field of energy. And then, if you start exploring, you'll find that the the boundary, uh, supposed boundary around the body, is actually uh, porous. It's uh, diffuse. Uh, you could even say it's non-existent, right? So that the inside and the outside are really just one continuum. Huh? And then as you allow yourself to sense into the body and you allow your awareness to expand, your awareness expands beyond the body. And then it can expand limitlessly in all directions, you see. So our sense of the body can be vast. It can be limitless. And so then we can come to realize that everything we experience is happening in us, in this vast field of awareness that we are. See, so sensing the body can be a doorway into this uh, understanding, this direct experience of ourselves as limitless awareness, right?
0: Mm. You know, I I thank you for that and just... Really, that sensing into it and and really understanding that we go far beyond this perceived boundary of physical manifestation right. that we're talking about. And what's the role of pain? Yeah, we can see, we and, can
1: hear that as a as a concept, but it, we can actually explore it experientially. Yeah, and that's why I think this is really really valuable. You know, we don't have to take uh, you know the solidity of the body on hearsay any more than we take the solidity of the self on hearsay, you know. In fact, if you, uh, you know, the body is, uh, it's just sensation, actually. It's just, uh, and what is sensation aware- made of? Awareness, right? Without awareness, there is no sensation. And all of our experience is made up of awareness, right? Otherwise, yeah. we would, wouldn't have the experience. So we, we experience it, and there's awareness there, And then we translate that into solidity. We've been taught to take what we experience and think of it as solid. But in fact, if we come back to our direct experience, all we are ever experiencing is awareness. So we can come to the recognition that everything is awareness, not just inside, outside, everything. This is where it comes back to all things connected. If everything is awareness, if that is the substance of what is, And of course, we're connected. (laughs) There's there's only awareness, right? Yeah. Anyway, excuse me for taking that a step further. Yeah.
0: Well, and an an important concept that you bring up that I appreciate deeply is the simultaneity of being the awareness and being the awareness that's in this experience of an individual. Um, Can you speak more to that?
1: Well, I didn't quite understand what you what you said actually. Well,
0: the, the simultaneously, we are this awareness. That's all that is, and yet yes. we identify and have this body, this form, and this individual I that has beliefs right. and memories and thoughts. And but there's this simultaneity of this small right. self that we talk about and the expansive um, truth okay. or reality of who we really are.
1: Yeah, it's one of the one of the great paradoxes, you could say, is that we are both everything, you know. If we really see our essential nature, we uh, include everything, you know. Again, everything connected, everything one. And at the same time, of course, we wake up in this body. Our awareness comes to uh, uh, you know, awakeness in the morning in this body. We go about the day. Uh, you know, putting food in this mouth and not in other mouths, and we earn a living and we do all those things and relate to other people uh, through this body, of course. Uh, But then to recognize that we are also essentially this vastness, this limitlessness, this openness, this awakened awareness, to know ourselves as both simultaneously, as you put it. So our deepest ground is in... Sometimes called the absolute, is in awareness, consciousness, spirit, whatever word you know we choose to use for it. That is our deepest ground. Our deepest knowing is that that is what we are essentially. And at the same time, yeah, you know, if pain is happening here, we're going to feel it, and it's going to affect our mind state. Uh, you know, or we have relationships, and uh, you know, it's important that we, uh, you know feed and nourish our relationships in this particular form. So both are true. But if we're only living in this form and identified with this form, then we're going to suffer. See, So uh, we need to know ourselves uh, uh, who we are essentially in order to be free of suffering, to be uh, happy, as you said, lasting happiness, love, and peace.
2: Mm.
0: So you brought up suffering, which I just want to just mm-hmm. acknowledge that um, you talk about that as, as really when we are in that illusion of separation, we create the right. suffering. Right. You also talk about the difference between the ground awareness and awakened awareness. And I think there's this subtle piece that is important for our listeners. Can you explain that?
1: Uh, well, What's the um, awake, uh, yeah, awakened awareness. The the exercise I did earlier, I had invited you to do, open your eyes and look around and try to be aware. You don't have to, right? Awareness is uh, innate. All you have to do is, you don't have to do anything, actually. I mean, opening your eyes, you open to the visual, but it's already there. But uh, awakened awareness is when awareness awakens to itself as the ground of being. Mm -hmm. And that's what awakening is. In other words, you realize that this awareness that is, first of all, the way it generally happens is, first of all, we wake up out of the separate self and realize that you know, I'm not just this body and mind. I am awareness. And it's limitless, and it's boundless, and it's free, and it's its very exciting, right? But there's still, there's, there's a subtle duality there. I am awareness, and then there's this world out there, right? But the, the deeper realization is that I am awareness, and awareness is the ground of being. It is the substance, the essence of what is. That's when awareness awakens to itself, awakened awareness. Mm. This may sound very uh, you know, lofty and unattainable, but really it isn't. And uh, it, it's simply recognizing our essence. That's all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Our essence, that true nature. Beautiful. Our true nature. Okay, natures. so... Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that, and and really looking at this body, the physical pain. I think all that's really important, and I want to get to what a lot of um, is happening in mass consciousness right now. There's there's so much going on in our world, and not only is there, you know, lots going on with our understanding of ourselves as we're awakening to this this ground of awareness. There's this um, shift in in everything around us. When we get to this point, everything shifts. But right now, there's so much fear in this illusion of separation. And not only is there fear of, of things changing around us, but there's natural disaster. There's so much going on. And, and I love one of your quotes, everything that's revealing itself right now, is not only unique, it's inherently complete, meaningful, and perfect, even with even with all of its obvious imperfections. And when we rest in this awareness, we we do come to this peace that you're talking about, this lasting peace, this inherent unity and, and beauty and, and love and happiness and, and all of this. How can we address what's going on in the world right now and maybe bring in this medicine of awareness and awakening awakened awareness to what's going on around us how can we help our listeners really rest in this awareness and and relax
1: right yeah you said a medicine that's beautiful it is the ultimate medicine yeah all our suffering and our, our our pain and our ills but um You know, uh, the most important thing is, of course, that we recognize who we are, which is what everything is, and not just our nature, but the nature of everything, the nature of reality, that we come to a clear recognition of it and that we live from that from moment to moment, right? So, uh, you know, attempts to make things better out there, which can be, of course, helpful on a relative level. But the most important thing is that we can come from this deeper understanding, this deeper realization, and then this has an impact on everyone around us. You know, if you've met someone you know, who is at peace and, and just naturally compassionate and loving uh, you know, and awake, you feel it. It has a, a resonance. It affects you deeply. You know? So if we can be this light in the world, you could say, uh, that, that's the, the most important thing we can do. You know? Of course, we can go around and, you know, try to share that with others. But uh, people are ready or they're not. Uh, And, of course, trying to proselytize people uh, is never very uh, successful. Um, And, you know, I have to say that as someone who teaches awakening, you know, I've been doing it for many, many years, you know, and to see what's going on in the world, it it does sometimes feel like, you know, it's a drop in the bucket. And, And it is a drop in the bucket, you know. So we can't be daunted by that, you know. Uh, the forces of, of unawake, unawakenedness, <laughs> of darkness, of <laughs> unconsciousness are, are, have always been strong and they probably always will be strong. So, you know, that's why we have to, we can't be uh, trying to make it perfect. We have to find the inherent perfection. That's what I was talking about in that quote you mentioned. Yeah. You see, there is only one reality. This one right now. There's no other reality. This is it. So if, there, if there's a God, this is God. You could say God's creation or this is God, you know, uh, uh, you know, from the more Eastern perspective and from my own understanding, this is God. Right. <laughs> there's no other God but this. So, uh, you know, if you keep thinking, well, maybe next week or next month or next year, things will become perfect. You know, there is no that, that's all in your mind. There's only this. So to find the peace and the uh, deep happiness and contentment in the perfection of the moment, uh, you know, the sacredness of the moment, and then from that peace and happiness, do what you can to make the world a better place. Sure. You know, both are true. It's both perfect and imperfect. You know, one of my Zen yeah, teachers said the world, you know, we're constantly losing our balance against a background of perfect balance. The background, Mm. the the essence is perfect. It's always perfect. And yet we're constantly making mistakes. And the world is constantly spinning out of control. But in its essence, you know, this is one of the great paradoxes of spiritual understanding. You know, how can that be? Yeah. There it is. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. And it, it reminds me when I was listening to you this spark of insight moved in me of of looking at what's going on in the world much like going looking at what's going on within our physical body, like that pain Mm -hmm. that could, you know, create literally a a fixation of our our awareness onto the pain. It's very similar in in that within and without understandable.
1: Yeah. It's fixation of attention is yeah. really the source, the source there, of yeah. pain, actually. And uh, and it's, of course, if we have pain, physical pain, and we tend to get fixated on it, the most important thing, in fact, the most important thing across the board, is to have compassion for ourselves, you know, to really appreciate, you know, with a, you know, a kind of uh, openness of heart that, oh, how painful that is and how difficult that is, you know, not to have these high exalted expectations for ourselves yes physical pain is difficult but then the more that we can open to this more expanded awareness which again we don't have to make expand we just have to rediscover that allows us to uh, embrace the pain as just part of this moment you know Mm. and that releases some of its hold on us so you know physical pain is very challenging so you know, first of all, to recognize that, to have compassion for that. And then the, the medicine, as you put it, is uh, to rest as this uh, limitless awareness.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So just like that physical pain, our global pains, um, this right. fixated attention, it's the same That's concept.
1: Right. That's right, beautiful, yes.
0: Beautiful. Exactly. You wrote, I love this quote, when you're no longer centered, in the contracted posturing of the imaginary self but open to the limitless expanse of awakened awareness you naturally want what's best for the whole rather than what's best what's be- rather than what's best only for the fraction we talk a lot about what's best for the whole here on our show with our listeners and the good of the whole and i really appreciate um, how you you speak to this and once we can experience this limitless expanse of awakening awareness, we see everything in such a different way, including what's going on in the world and what's going on in our bodies.
1: That's right. And then from that place, we can act with wisdom right, as well as compassion. Uh, Mm -hmm. If we're coming just from, uh, a sense of what's right and wrong, and what shouldn't be happening, and a kind of anger and the discontent and uh, judgment, then our actions won't be very skillful. Again, we're not saying not to act, but uh, but to come from this deeper understanding, and then to act in ways that are are really wise and take into account the whole, the whole picture. So,
0: Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So. An important, I want to just bring this full circle because when you're talking about this wisdom and this action, again, practicing mindfulness really prepares us. It like prepares the terrain and and our understanding of how we can go into non-judgment and, and really hold things in a very different way. So um, I love the brilliance of of that and what you've done with this whole body of work.
1: Mm. Yeah, mindfulness is a beautiful practice. And at a certain point, y- you may feel moved to go beyond mindfulness. And that's why it's, the book has that title, right? It's yes. like, yeah, practice mindfulness by all means, you know. But then when you get to the point where you think, gee, you know, I think I've kind of reached the end of mindfulness or, you know, I want something a little bit slightly different, you know, a little different perspective, then you are open to the next step beyond mindfulness.
0: Beautiful. Stephen, this has been a delightful conversation for me and I'm sure for our listeners as well. We just have a few more minutes and I'm wondering if there's anything that you didn't get to say that you wished you could.
1: Uh, Well, you asked some wonderful questions. Thank (laughs) you. I don't feel feel, uh, that there was anything uh, that uh, I didn't say. I think I'd like to emphasize that, um, and again, I, I love the name of your show, and some of the things you said at the beginning were things I would have said myself, so we're very aligned. You know, and you probably do this already, but just to emphasize to people that, again, this is not so far-fetched. It's, not, it's accessible. Uh, awakening is really uh, available, uh, but it's a different... Reading these teachings, uh, it's different from perhaps some of the usual spiritual teachings you might be accustomed to. The direct approach is a little different. It's becoming more popular, so many of your readers may be uh, aware of it, familiar with it. Uh, but again, it's not uh, its not unavailable. It's really available uh, to you. That's why it's called the direct approach. You
0: know? mm, absolutely. So the, and, and the best way are- is to...
1: Yeah, to, to do this is through, I, again, I offer, as you mentioned in the beginnings, I offer retreats and, and phone sessions and, and online uh, classes as well, but that's the best way to, uh, to approach this is through a teacher, uh, preferably a live teacher, but there's a lot of good stuff on YouTube as well.
0: Yeah, yeah beautiful. You do that teaching and mentoring, and um, our listeners can find so much more on your website. So I just want to mention that again, stephenbodian.org. And yeah, the the it's accessible. And, and it really, just having this conversation opens us to really this expansive moment of now and coming back mm-hmm. into this place that is where we find this lasting peace. And so I, I really right, right. Oh, just really sit in deep gratitude mm-hmm. for you bringing your wisdom, your voice to our show today. Thank you so much for being with
1: us. It's been my pleasure, Julie. Um, it's a joy to talk with you.
0: Mm, thank you. And I just want to close with another one of your quotes because I think it's so beautiful. And you say, you are, you are already the love, compassion, wholeness, health, and happiness you seek. You don't have to practice to become it. You just need to recognize it and be it. Mm, You are already that love, wholeness, happiness that you seek. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Thank you for tuning in with us today. And remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.